Hello there, and welcome back to the Smile Pod podcast, where we share stories and experiences of Operation Smile volunteers and leaders. My name is Mohammed Salil, and I'm the treasurer of the CHS OS Club. I'll be joined by Rahel and Rajvi. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Rajvi, and a member of the Operation Smile CHS. Uh, hi, I'm Rahel. I'm from year 11, also from Cambridge High School. In today's podcast, um, we'll be having a conversation with none other than the infamous Kyla Cromie Hawk as part of commemorating 10 years since Operation Smile UAE was established. Kyla is a student programs manager in the UAE. For students here, Kyla is the beacon that guides them in their efforts with Operation Smile. Thank you, Kyla, for joining us today. It's a pleasure, glad to be here. Glad to have you here. Now we'll begin with segment one. All right, great. On to our first segment, Fact of the Month. So yesterday we posted a poll on our Instagram story asking you guys a question. How many local medical missions has Operation Smile UAE conducted? And the right answer was five local medical missions. A great job to everyone who got it right. All right, so firstly, we'll be asking Kyla a few questions about Operation Smile UAE. For starters, why and how did you set up Operation Smile? Well, I mean, the the origin story of Operation Smile UAE isn't actually my story. It's, it's Morag's and Her Highness Sheikh Aliazia's. Um, so Morag and Sheikh Aliazia uh, worked together before um, before they set up the foundation. In fact, Morag was um, a, a teacher um, at one of the government schools. She worked on the private public um, partnership program. And um, before her contract uh, finished with that organization, um, Her Highness asked uh, Morag to, you know, not renew with that program uh, and to come back and, and work with her on, on a different project. Um, so she asked, you know, what, what project are you thinking of? And initially thinking that they were going to do the education project that they had spoken about for a long time. Um, but no, it was, it was a charity that she wanted to do. Um, when she was in London, she had read a newspaper, uh, an article in a newspaper that was explaining about all of the um, difficulties children with cleft conditions face. And it had really stuck with her. So she'd been mulling over this for several months. We've got no idea what newspaper it was, um, who wrote it, uh, specifically what charity it was referring to or anything like that. So they had a lot of work ahead of them to kind of, you know, do some research and, and find out what charities, you know, were available uh, and, and which ones they particularly were interested in. So. They came up with a list of maybe about 10 charities. And the one that really stuck out for both of them was Operation Smile. And that was because it had an element of education. Um, the, the medical volunteers were just that. Uh, they, they didn't get paid in order to do the surgeries. They were purely volunteers. Um, there was an element of student involvement as well, which, you know, Morag was really interested in with having been a teacher herself. So they decided to 
contact operation smile and um that's the part where i come in because then morag was invited to go on a medical mission uh to morocco barashid morocco um so she tells the story of how she woke up in the morning uh that day uh, in july and she she went to to work as an education advisor came back at the end of the work day got on an airplane went to morocco with me um and by the end of the day, she went to sleep because someone had introduced her as the new executive director of Operation Smile UAE, and she'd never applied for the job. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's originally how we started. The reason I was uh, at that mission, um, if you haven't guessed already, I'm Morag's daughter. So I was still in university at the time, and Morag had asked if it was okay for me to accompany her not realizing at the time how difficult it normally is for guests to actually go on medical missions. There's usually a lot of rigmarole in order to be able to uh, go on a medical mission. Uh, you either have to be a medical volunteer or a trained student or, you know, vital to the medical mission in some way. But I think they maybe foresaw the fact that if they brought me on board, I might become vital later on. <laughs> So they, they had some good thinking. Um, so yeah, we, we went to Morocco. We saw an emission, which I can only explain as mind blowing. Um, we were there for about six days, for not for the whole mission, unfortunately, but enough to, to understand what Operation Smile was all about. And uh, Morag and I both fell in love with the same child. Um, and we've got a picture of him and me up on the wall in the office. And the, the whole experience just set it in our hearts that we, we simply couldn't say no. So when we came back, Her Highness asked Morag, you know, how did it go? What was it like? And she simply replied, I don't know what we're writing for. Let's do this. So, I mean, that's, that's essentially the story of, of how Operation Smile UAE started. All right. So what were some challenges that you faced in the early well, in the early days, nobody knew what we were. So we had to figure out a way of how to get the information out there, how to raise funds. Um, originally, it was just Morag um, because I was still at university at the time. So she was single handedly trying to get all of the um, paperwork, all of the agreements, everything that made us legal. Um, you know, she needed office space um she needed etisalat contracts um you know so she had to get all of that together and bearing in mind a lot of the the time you need to be able to speak arabic to navigate that so um her her first issue was the fact that she needed someone to help her um navigate through all of those things um setting up a charity in the uae is incredibly difficult so she uh <laughs> i think partly luck and partly just pure perseverance was was the reason she managed to get through it in that first couple of years all right on to the next question uh, how were you able to grow operation smile in the uae so 
the the first five years focused more on us trying to get into the community as much as possible so we would we would have stands at um, local flea markets um, tabletop sales um, you know uh, artisans markets literally everywhere that we could get a table at we would get a table um, just so that we could start selling some of the merchandise that we'd started um, putting together um, and to talk to people about Operation Smile and start letting people know um, that we were here, that we were legal and what it was that we did. So it was through that we, that we started to gain um, more followers in the UAE, um, more people were starting to know about us. And then, you know, the slow trickle down from that was that schools were then starting to learn about us and companies were also starting to learn about us as well. Interesting. Was there any pivotal moment in the history of OS UAE that accelerated its growth more than anything else? Absolutely. Uh, 2017, our first medical mission. I mean, that was a game changer for a lot of things um, because suddenly a lot of the companies who were interested in theory about what we did um, and the fact that we focused on children, one of their main priorities is that whatever charity that they helped had to also prove that they were helping in the UAE as well. So as soon as we could demonstrate that that was happening, um, that we were providing missions in the UAE, that we were supporting um, patients in the UAE uh, in other ways as well. Um, immediately, that became easier to develop a lot more partnerships to get more companies on board with us. All right. Looking back, is there anything you would have done differently? Um. I mean, that's hard to say. Um, I think at every point we've done the best we can. Um, in hindsight, could things have maybe have been better? Possibly, but maybe at the time we didn't have the resources, we didn't have the knowledge. So um, it's always difficult looking back to see if you could have done it better. I think always what's better is learning from that and then applying it to how you move forward. Interesting. So now we'll be having our second segment, which is called Quote Minute. Basically, I'll be telling you guys a quote and we all can share our thoughts on how the quote resonates with us or what it signifies in our perspectives. So the quote for this month's podcast is, you really cannot change the world, but you can change someone's world. Personally, this quote shows me that as individuals, we have the power to transform and change someone's entire life. And an organization like Operation Smile makes that possible. What do you guys think? Uh, okay, I'll go next. Uh, I think logically it is impossible to change the whole world, but making changes in small ways in small ways was a long way as well. And so, just the way Operation Smile has been able to change um, the lives of so many children is absolutely incredible. So I think. Even if making a change, even if making a particular change is really small, um, I think it goes a long way. Yeah, I agree with what um, Rahel and Rajvi said. Um, you can't, you can change the world, but then uh, there's a degree up to which you can change the world. And when you change the world, you aren't changing the world, the whole world. You're changing 
someone else's world, which then changes your own world. Um, and the world of human beings is uh, really restricted to the self. And so you can't really change the whole world, but you can change someone else's world. I disagree slightly. I think you can change the world, but I think you need to change your perception and what changing the world means. Um, if you're trying to change it physically or if you're trying to change it in an instant, no, that's impossible. Um, but you can change perceptions. So what's, what's not changing the world if you're changing the way that people see it? Um, for instance, changing people's assumptions about children with cleft lip or cleft palate if you can you know gradually educate people that you know it's not contagious and it can be fixed then you're changing people's perceptions you're you're changing their way of interacting with other people in the world that was really great um moving on to our next section which is achievements of the operation smile in the um so as we've seen with just Operation Smile, student programs provide rewarding opportunities for students to gain exposure and experience and build their skills. So moving to our first question on student programs, um, Kyla, do you mind explaining the importance of student programs and why they should be created? So in a nutshell, student programs is our future. Um, we're very much relying on the students that we onboard in the present um, to build up their passion, their knowledge, their experience to then eventually take over for them from the ones that are kind of doing all the groundwork at the moment. Um, it's quite common that um, some of our, our student programs, um, people that have gone through student programs then become part of an Operation Smile team later on in life. Maybe they become um, an intern or they might become a program coordinator um, or they might be involved with a specific foundation. Um, student programs is our future. Um, so we do our best to nourish uh, the students that come on board with us in the hopes that you know, later on down the line, um, you'll help Operation Smile grow. How many schools in the UAE would you say are involved with Operation Smile? Um, in the UAE, our maximum has been around 10. Um, so during the during COVID, unfortunately, we, we lost a few of the schools um, simply because the club leaders um, graduated and left before they could um, pass on the club to some of the younger students. Uh, so unfortunately, there's been a little bit of disconnect with some of those schools. Some of them have, you know, through the year come back on um, and have reestablished. And some are just kind of getting to grips and trying to reestablish themselves. So at the moment, we have about three really active school clubs, and then we have about three more that are trying to establish themselves. All right. Um, do you mind telling us what are some things that school volunteers and clubs of Operation Smile usually do? So, um, Volunteering in your club and volunteering with the foundation is slightly different. So, and there's slightly different um, 
requirements for each. So whatever happens in your school club is up to your club leaders to decide, you know, what um, the students in the club need to do in order to join and, and what they will do within that school club. Um, if you're wanting to join the foundation, um, my requirement is that you attend an internet, uh, not sorry, um, an induction workshop so that you get a thorough understanding of what Operation Smile does, um, what we expect of volunteers, um, and also so you can better understand how to speak to other people about Operation Smile correctly. Um, the next training level above that that we've got is the ambassador training. So that's optional, um, but incredibly helpful, especially for students who are wanting to set up school clubs or wanting to kind of level up in their ability to speak about Operation Smile. Um, so that focuses on, you know, presentations, public speaking skills, um, but also fine tuning your knowledge and your ability to speak about Operation Smile. Um, specifically like looking at the types of words that you use and the indications, implications of those words and how sometimes, you know, you might say something um, and, and think you're conveying one meaning, but it might be interpreted by someone else as slightly differently. Um, so just, you know, fine tuning the way you speak about Operation Smile to make sure that you're giving accurate information. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's talk about mission statistics. OSUAE has conducted how many missions? So locally, we've conducted five missions so far. We're just ramping up to do our sixth mission in June. Um, but internationally, um, hundreds, hundreds and thousands of missions. Um, but that's not just OSUAE. Um, OSUAE has funded, I think, around 13 international missions um, in various places around the world, including Morocco, Egypt, um, China, uh, Philippines, uh, Vietnam, um, and Venezuela, I think. Mm, that's a lot. And approximately how many patients have been operated on till now in the UAE? In the UAE, um, well, we did... We did around 18 in 2019. The previous two years, we roughly averaged about 12. And then the two during the pandemic, we had eight and five. Maths is not my forte. So. <laughs> around 43, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the next question is, has there been any change in the types of volunteers that OSUAE attracts over the years? Has the pool of volunteers changed in any way? Um, yes, and that's been more to do with local law changes and um, the policies and procedures I've put in place. Um, so in terms of laws, um, there was a few years ago, the government put out um, an indication that all students should get involved with volunteering. And in fact, they seem to make it mandatory, which is difficult because in theory, it's a great idea. Um, it's great to encourage students to volunteer. However, we did see an immediate um, change in who was um, you know, coming on board to ask to volunteer with us. So suddenly we were inundated with, with requests that 
weren't really interested in Operation Smile as an organization, as a charity, um, but they just, they simply needed the hours. So uh, the quality of the volunteers that we were getting at that point in time was not wonderful. Um, yes, you can put the work in and convert them and educate them about Operation Smile, um, but at the same time, there was only me that was dealing with student programs and, you know, you were, I was getting very frustrated with it. Um, so that's when I started implementing the induction workshop and starting to put together the form for applying to volunteer with us. So one of the basic things that helped sift out who was genuinely, genuinely interested on Operation Smile and who was just wanting volunteer hours um, was simply to ask them a couple of questions right off the bat. So, you know, what is Operation Smile? Have you researched it? You know, what condition do we um, treat? And if they couldn't answer those simply simple questions, then we knew that they weren't really interested in Operation Smile. They just needed the volunteer hours. So since then, we, we've had a, a much better balance of you know, people genuinely interested in Operation Smile, especially with the school clubs. School clubs have been fantastic in educating more students about what it is that we do um, and then getting them excited about volunteering with us. I honestly think that's an amazing system. Now I'm going to be asking you some questions about Operation Smile UAE's fundraising and events. Firstly, how do you fundraise and organize fundraising events? Um, we do it in a whole variety of different ways. So pre-COVID, um, one of our biggest events was the big book sale, um, which is something that we're probably known most for. So throughout the year, um, supporters would uh, donate used books that they no longer wanted that was still in good condition. Um, and then twice a year, Alwatamal would donate the use of their main atrium, which is a huge space, um, for us to hold a big, big book sale. So we would have roughly around 400 volunteers over three days um, to make that event work. So it is an absolutely enormous event, um, but it usually raised around 50,000 dirhams. Um, just for that one event. So in total, over the, the, the two events that we would hold every year, that's, that's 100,000 um, dirhams that we would raise from that. Unfortunately, um, because of COVID, we've not been able to do that. So we've now missed out on three big book sales, um, which has meant that our office is now overflowing with books. Um, <laughs> they're, they're crammed into every space possible. Um, so that's those. Um, other ways that we have raised funds, um, we participate in events that uh, companies or uh, organizations organize. Uh, sometimes we're asked to come along to have a stand at, for example, um, a yoga event um, so that people get to know about us. Um, sometimes we will be the chosen charity for an event. So, you know, from the ticket sales, a percentage of those ticket sales will go to Operation Smile. Um, other ways that we raise funds, of course, the amazing uh, school clubs, they run a variety of events throughout their year um, for Operation Smile. So that's another great way that funds come to Operation Smile. Um, 
you know, we, we host other events. Um, for example, there was one event we did that was the fly a kite day. So it was family orientated. Um, you got a flight, uh, a kite, um, you know, you purchased a kite to enter. Uh, there was lots of different stands from companies that were supporting us. And it was just a great fun day at the beach, essentially, but it was a great fundraiser too. So yeah, lots of lots of different ways. And then now, of course, um, we've also got Yellow Give. So there's an ability for people to fundraise online for us. All right. Um, what events would you say Operation Smile UAE is mainly known for? So mainly known for is our big book sales um, and also the weekly office book sales. Um, now that it's COVID, we've now got our online book sales that is hosted through Facebook. So those are the ones that are most known for, um, which is a double-edged sword because then, of course, um, there's a lot of people that don't realize that we're a children's charity and think that we're just purely for books. So although the event is great in terms of getting funds in and um, engaging a lot of our volunteers, it's also had a flip side in that um, we've, we've become known as a book charity rather than what we truly are, which is a medical charity. Do you have a personal favorite fundraising event? I think my personal favorite was a brainchild of mine um, right at the beginning of, of when we started. Um, we did the first birthday party <laughs> for Operation Smile UAE turning one. Um, we didn't actually hold it on the day that Operation Smile UAE got our, um, our registration document. We actually held it the next month in February, but it was, um, we had the Abu Dhabi City Golf Club come on board with us and, and donate the use of their gardens for free. And we had school clubs, we had companies, we had hospitals all putting together stands. So whether it was, you know, a fun fair stand um, or whether it was, you know, a medical advice stand. So for example, we had dental clinics giving out advice on, you know, how to brush your teeth properly. Uh, we had some of the hospitals giving out um, free, free blood tests um, or diabetes tests. Um, so it was a great community event. It really got all the aspects of uh, Operation Smart supporters coming together for this great event. Um, and of course, we also had a massive first birthday cake, um, which was, I think it was about a meter long. <laughs> It was huge um, and it was incredibly difficult to transport and keep cool. Um, but yeah, it was a very, very fun day. Um, we managed to repeat that again for the second birthday, but unfortunately, um, you know, things, we, we didn't continue on uh, that event. Um, there were a whole different load of factors as to why we discontinued it, but it's something that I would love to bring back again. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Um, how has fundraising evolved over the years? Um, in lots of ways. I mean, the, the ability to fundraise online now is fantastic. Um, but we've, we've had dips and flows and, and changes in direction um, all the way through um, 
you know, getting to our 10 years. So at one point we had something similar to Yellow Give. Um, it was called Just Giving. So that came out and that was fantastic when that first came out and we started to get a lot more people raising funds for us through that. And then unfortunately the parent company of Just Giving um, changed hands and it was no longer available in the UAE. So there was a few years uh, in between before Yellow Give came out um, that suddenly that was no longer available to us. We couldn't have people raising funds online. Um, and then we've also had the, the evolution of the laws in the UAE regarding charities. So um, that's been forever a case of trying to update ourselves as to what the new laws mean, um, how that applies to how we fundraise, um, you know, and putting new things in place so that we're all in line with that. So that's, that's forever um, evolving and changing. Okay. Um, how has moving things online worked out when we're talking about events and raising money? Um, it's had its positives and it's also had its challenges. Um, for example, students, um, although, although we move everything online and it's easier for students for things to be online, um, the downside of that is that students don't have credit cards. <laughs> So even if you have pocket money that you would like to spend on Operation Smile, you've then got to involve your parents and ask them to use their credit cards or debit cards um, to, to donate towards Operation Smile. So that's been a slight challenge um, that there has been had to be more people involved in order for students to participate um, in terms of donations. Um, in terms of other people, um, I think sometimes it's not as easy to be visible when it's online. There's, it's harder to get that kind of community spirit going and you know that on-site excitement uh, that you get at a physical event. So I think sometimes that has um, prevented a lot of people from wanting to participate on online things um, because it's very easy to say, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then by the time the, the by the time it comes up, you're going, ah, oh, can't be bothered now. Uh, whereas if, if you're at an actual physical event, you, like there's there's more of an encouragement. There's more of a a peer kind of pull to get you to go there. So we're definitely looking forward to when we're able to get physical events going again, but. On the way there, we'll, we'll probably look at doing some hybrid events too. So combining online and physical. All right, for our last question, what do you hope for Operation Smile to do in the future? What do we hope for in the future? Um, interesting, because this was a question that one of the students um, who's looking to set up a new club was asking um, a couple of days ago. Um, I'm not sure, probably just more of the same. Um, so, you know, more of being able to help the patients within the UAE, um, expand our um, medical volunteer support. So getting more medical volunteers on board so that we're not, you know, 
um, having to rely on the same medical volunteers each time, although some of them are absolutely amazing and haven't missed a single mission so far. Um, also more school clubs um, because we love them. They're fantastic. So we would like to rebuild the school clubs again and get them more involved. We're looking at ways to, you know, build more of a community with the student clubs. Um, for those of you who have been with Operation Smile for a little while, you'll have remembered logistics, which was how we managed to um, communicate with everyone in terms of what volunteering events were available and track your hours and all of that. Um, unfortunately, during the pandemic, we had to let that go. But now that things are starting to look like they might ease up, we're looking at potentially using a different platform. So exciting things to come, we hope. That was great to hear. Thank you, Kyla. Um, moving on to our third and last segment, what made us smile? So during these trying times, I think it's nice to think back and recollect all the fond memories and experiences we've had that have made it easier to get through our current situation. So this is a more open segment, and here we will share any small or big moment we had recently that made us smile. So I'd like to ask you all, what made you smile? One thing that made me smile recently um, was the video of my cute, adorable little cousin sister back in India making lemonade with the aspect of a shy television chef, which I found very funny. Personally, I truly enjoyed filming this podcast and getting the opportunity to learn so much about OSUAE. So this definitely made me smile. Uh, for me, what made me smile is my dog is actually sat here on, on my lap as I'm doing this. So he's been raptly paying attention to everything that we've been saying. <laughs> and has only now just sat down and settled. <laughs> that was really nice to hear. Um, for me, I went kayaking this month and it was really fun. And it was my first time. And personally, I think I quite tasted it. I think I could be a pro now. I'm just kidding. But it was a really fun experience and it definitely made me smile. And that brings us to the end of episode five. I want to thank everyone for joining in today and especially our special guest, Kyla. Adios until next time.